Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. The Arts House on Corks 96FM and C103.
Is there no end to that woman's talents? That is the sound there of Claire Sands and her full gang all there together. And when next will we get a chance to have Claire live in studio? God only knows. But she is having a ball in the west of Ireland anyway with that island residency. I follow her on Twitter, you know, and I have to say that while I was a massively avid Facebook user there for ages, I really have become engrossed in Twitter recently. And uh, by the way, Claire Sands has her brand new single, The Blessing, on Vanacht, which is coming out this coming Thursday. So it's available at the moment for pre-order. And again, the message loud and clear from us here on a Sunday is support our Irish singer-songwriters and especially those with our core connections as well. And we love Claire here. Um, I was getting lost. Oh yeah, on Twitter. <laughs> One of the people I love following on Twitter is Marion Keyes, the author. I know lots of you would have read her books. And she, right at the moment, is totally stuck into Strictly Come Dancing. And she writes on Twitter exactly as she speaks, you know, and she is just absolutely 100% totally and over in love with Bill Bailey on Strictly Come Dancing. So if you haven't joined the whole Twitter gang, <laughs> I have to say, it's the best entertainment at the moment. Great crack. This coming Thursday night, the 19th of November at the Everyman Theatre as part of the Played by Ear season that's taking place at the moment, Lex Talionis, A Tale of Vengeance and Feathers by Liam Halen is going to be broadcast to everyone who tunes in. So I spoke to director Katrina Foley about this show, which has had quite a long period of development, right back to the Midsummer Festival via a journey through the Fringe Festival in Dublin and much, much critical acclaim both with audiences and critics alike. They're all over, Gav. They get in everywhere. Scumbags, boy. Dark words. They think they own the place. Katrina, good morning. I'm catching you early on a Saturday morning because you're about to go off to work. You're one of the few essential services. And I would also say that there's a few other essential services closed in all as they are. I would call them the arts. I would call them theatre. <laughs> That's another essential service you're doing in the Everyman next Thursday when Lex Talionis not quite opens its doors, but opens everyone's ears online through play it by ear. It's the next production that's going out on Thursday. And Lex Talionis is a play by Liam Halen that carries its own tale that goes back some years. You were on the show last talking to Elle Marie before Lex Talionis actually got to the Dublin Theatre Fringe Festival. That's when it really started to take off. But it took quite a journey even to get that far before you met Elle Marie. Katrina... Lex Talionis, just for anyone who's listening in, could you just give us a quick potted summary of what is it about? It's, it's described as a tale of vengeance and feathers. <laughs> That's right. So Lex Talionis is a play about four birds mm-hmm. in court. So you have Hugh, who is a rook, and he has chicks coming. Mooney is a younger rook, whose new friend Max is not what they seem. Donny is a magpie and he is bad news. After a vicious murder, one of them is out for blood. There will be vengeance. Oh, and and that's what the weird Latin title is, Lex Talionis, means the law of retaliation or an eye for an eye. Oh, okay. When you first saw the early version of this, the draft scripts, the work that came from Liam Halen, 
who dropped it on your lap after seeing some work that you had done in your early days when you were breaking ground as a director. It did hit you, it did strike you as this is something that could go somewhere. It really did. It was like nothing I'd ever seen before. The humour in it is what really drew me in. You know, Liam has a great way with words and his dialogue is just electric. Yeah. He proved that with Love, Peace and Robbery. That was one that was an amazing hit. I remember seeing that some years ago. So to turn around and come up with another one called Lex Talionis goes to show you that he had serious intent in making us laugh probably on both sides of our faces. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's the beauty of the play. It's the beauty of life itself. It has, you know, really, really high moments and it has really dark moments too. What keeps you really invested in these characters whether you remember or realize or hold on to the fact that they're birds you sort of identify with them and and with their personalities and with the journeys that they're going through and and with the questions they're considering you know in their in their lives like I must admit I've been following this journey myself for some years through some members of the cast whose own careers took off as a result of the exposure you got in Dublin they got agents and they got further productions out of it as well and your own career as a director has taken a particular journey because of this so you have a lot to thank Liam Halen for day one um, what happened after you opened your first run at it how was that received it was probably better received than I think any of us anticipated. And I know that sounds really like strange to say, but I think we'd been working on it for so long mm-hmm. that we like the back of our hands and we weren't necessarily fully sure. I don't think you ever are when you're working on a show, like how it's going to be received. If people are even going to come and see it, of course, you know, yeah. we were a small brand new company in the Cork Midsummer Festival, which like is an amazing event that gives you amazing exposure and amazing opportunity to see work. But knowing that, you're kind of thinking, ah, sure, look, if we get half full houses, we'd be delighted. We sold out three performances, got great reviews, and the audience reaction inside the theatre was amazing. Like people were just, you know, laughing the whole way through. They were really taken along with Mm -hmm. the journey. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we were all really bubbling after it. <laughs> Did you manage to be able to sit in with the audience or were you working from behind the scenes during the run? No, luckily I got to sit in and mm-hmm. I was in knots. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> I didn't know how to feel. And then by the last performance, I actually ended up sitting next to Lorraine May. <laughs> and that made me even more nervous. But like seeing her really beaming and enjoying it. And, and she's a great support. She's a wonderful person. It just really like solidified it for me that, yeah, this is really good. Like people are actually having a good time here. This is what you want. From there, obviously, the show was picked up. Word had started to get out. Did you get invited to the Fringe Festival or did you just try it and see what happens? Let's just go there anyway. Yeah, we did apply ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, a similar kind of thing. And even more shaky, I think, than Cork of, you know, we're totally unknown up in Dublin. Mm-hmm. But the... The importance of getting work seen outside of Cork was the, was the major thing that pushed up, mm. and and this idea of of trying the work out without your friends and family around you and see really how it how it's received. And we got great reviews again up in Dublin. We were we were nominated for a couple of fringe awards. We didn't win any, unfortunately, but the recognition that comes with those nominations. Yeah. 
And again, that, that kind of clarification of, yeah, this is good, you're on the right track, keep going. You know, it's really encouraging. I suppose one of the secrets to your success was the a lot of work that was done in the early stages in terms of development. You got a bit of help from Kirkadurka. The cast themselves was the original cast all the way through and they were part of what the piece would become itself. How much leeway did Liam Halen give you as the as the author? I'd say his head was scratched with us sometimes <laughs> because he came to us so early on with the script and because, like, me and him um, had had a couple of conversations and, you know, we'd taken our time to get to know each other. I didn't want him to think that I was going to come in and, and stamp all over his script and he didn't kind of know where I was coming from. Yeah. So we just kept him informed every step of the way and when we had questions we'd throw them at him and then it was a real fluid like just entertaining process for all of us really. Anyone listening to us would now get a feeling that this is a show where an awful lot of love, inspiration, feeling, fun, play, thought and emotion has gone into it. An awful lot has been invested into this. So what we see today now is something that has been very well worked on, has been tried out, has been tried out in front of audiences, has done several festivals and is now coming back to Cork to try out a whole new experiment. And this was something you never thought you'd have to do. You're bringing it to the Everyman Theatre stage to perform in front of an empty house but possibly the biggest audience you'll ever perform in front of but they won't be there and you'll have to play it for sound yeah it is unexpected for us but one of those beautiful opportunities you know the idea of experimenting again with a whole new way of storytelling that's obviously been thrown at us by this pandemic and these restrictions but I think looking at it like that as an opportunity to say okay we can reach new people we can reach new ears with this yeah and looking at the script and and thinking okay right you're going to miss the visual of this how can we pull our listeners in so now you're going to have to find the energy of the four different characters you're going to have to find their voices in a different way we are and unfortunately one of our original cast members is based in london you know, we were all disappointed at it, yeah. but for the sake of the three out of the four and for the sake of the name of the company and for delivering for the everyman, we we have a, another actor coming in to perform that role. So it's it's even new from that point of view for us as a company. Mm-hmm. A new input in, into the performance as well, a new pair of eyes as well. That's been really nice to have a new perspective on it. Like yeah. obviously it's a few years down the line, so everyone's changed and everyone's gone through stuff so everyone's coming back with a new outlook on it and that just adds a new element then there's there is a new voice in it so even people who've seen or heard the play before they'll also get a new experience just for those how does lex talionis open itself up to an audience very quickly <laughs> it moves at such pace it just brings you along with it you just listen yeah. to the characters and they'll take you on their journey do you have any memorable moments from the show from over the years? Any little stories that have stood out? Any Anyone that has stood out in your mind? Yeah, one of our rehearsal sessions, we took outside and we went to this small park behind Eason's Hill. Yep. Up by the Maltron Hotel, by the freaking crane around there. Mm. Lovely hot sunny day and we were having the crack outside, just doing all the scenes and the cast were running around and 
there's like a couple of gravestones and there's benches and there's bits and pieces of ruins and stuff and we were just jumping off of things and they were like caw, cawing around the place and just like being birds and having the crack and strange looks we got from like people who were watching us and then people who were like trying to ignore us and being like what are they doing because all the, everyone was off book and we were just playing and improvising so there was no like visible signs that we were doing a play or anything that was the day everybody left the nest anyway I invite everyone to come along and join the two rooks and the two magpies, Max, Mooney, Donny and Hugh, as they gather together on their voyage towards the law of retaliation. Once a murder has been committed in the middle of this roller coaster ride of a script, it is one of those scripts that has kept growing and growing and growing and continues to grow under new conditions to be broadcast live from the Everyman Theatre stage next Thursday the 19th as part of the Played by Ear season that's going on there at the moment. Katrina Foley as director of the show thanks for telling me about the whole journey that it has brought you and the cast on and your new cast member as well and I can do nothing but highly recommend it and I'm only just quoting other people who have reviewed the play as being highly recommended in several festivals already. I think it's well worth a listen. It'll only be an hour and ten minutes long and it'll be one hell of a journey for people to take. Katrina, thanks for your time this morning. The best of luck with you and the cast on the night. Thank you so much, Connor. Thanks for the chat. Lex Talionis by Liam Halen opens on Thursday night for one night only. For everyone who wants to tune in to the played by ear season in the Everyman Theatre, it stars Blind McGowan as Donny, Una Bryan as Mooney, replacing Sinead Donnelly, who's based in London for the moment, Sinead McGee as Max, and Ashling McCarthy playing Hugh. It's a Wandering Star production with the Everyman Theatre. Tickets are only €9 from everymancorp.com. I love that. Now, it's a pity, isn't it, that we couldn't get them in together for a rehearsed reading to kind of give a sample of it because that recording of a rehearsal is taken from... Before the Midsummer Festival a couple of years ago. Before they went to Dublin for the the Fringe and won uh, acclaim there. Before they came back for... Uh, set out runs here in Cork. So that was the very, very, very early days, early readings. It was uh, in in a very echoey hall, which does make it kind of hard to hear the sound. But the whole point then of tuning in to the Everman Played by Ear series is they literally are going to be bringing it right close to the microphone to you, right into your ear. It's it's, it's going to be great. We're going to stick with another uh, Cork singer-songwriter next. This is Hank Weidel. Making a mistake, not afraid to fail. Not afraid of freedom, I'm not afraid to go to jail. Not afraid of slavery, and I'm not afraid of choice. Not afraid of making a decision or using my own voice. But I'm afraid of you, I'm afraid of you, I'm afraid it's true, I'm afraid of you. 
Not afraid of too much noise, not afraid of silence, not afraid of death, and I'm not afraid of violence. I said I'm not afraid of dying, and I'm not afraid of rebirth, not afraid of dreaming, oh yeah, but for what it's worth, I'm afraid of you, I'm afraid of you, I'm afraid it's true, I'm afraid of you, I'm afraid of you. I'm afraid it's you, I'm afraid it's true, I'm afraid of you. Success. I'm not afraid to sing this song. Not afraid of the darkness, and I'm not afraid of the light. Oh, but when I'm all alone in my bed late at night, you know that I'm afraid of you. I'm afraid of you. I'm afraid it's true. I'm afraid of you. I'm afraid of you. But I love you too. I'm afraid it's true. I'm afraid. Love that track. That is Hank Widell. And if you want to check out his album, Mighty Fine, it's one of the pieces on Bandcamp that you can go to. And remember, if you're buying music online this year, particularly for Cork singer-songwriters, Bandcamp is where we want you to check it out. Now, every year, thousands of us get together to help fight homelessness with Cork Simon by wearing Christmas jumpers to work or to school or or anywhere you can raise vital funds. Now, this year, things being a little bit different, Cork Simon and Cork's 96FM are asking you to host your Christmas jumper day wherever you feel safest doing it. So, whether that's in the office or at home or in the home office or even online... So just get your fundraising pack today at corksimon.ie and join Cork's 96FM to help the fight against homelessness in Cork. The Arts House with Griffin's Potatoes Cork. Fresh, flowery and full of taste. It's at the root of what we do. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
You're so welcome back to the programme. It's Elmery Maughan, Connor Tallon with you until 10. Hi to Dee, who uh, was texting in. She opened up Work of the Week while you were talking about that earlier on. Oh, she's been such a fan. She's great. And I have to say, um, she has given her own rundown on it. She's saying, hmm, maybe it looks like musical instruments rather than medical devices. Uh, <laughs> maybe the artist could have a, a change of career. <laughs> <laughs> a duet of cream crackers. People are kind of coming up with their own variations of collective nouns. Eugene sent in a message to say, here's one for you, Connor, an annoyance of radio presenters. <laughs> Eugene, we don't know where you live. That's the problem. Yeah, it's, it's our place yes, anyway. indeed. Okay, now, uh, this was touched on briefly earlier on in the papers, uh, because this past week, of course, there's been so many reports about the Yorkshire Ripper. And one of the things that people are kind of, aghast at are the millions of hours of investigation and everything but there was nothing holding it all together to the point that he was interviewed and released nine times but we must remember policing pre-internet was just a completely different kettle of fish and that kind of ties into our next guest because RTE on Sunday nights have begun screening a show called Dead Still. It's set in Dublin in the 1800s and it centres around a very particular type of photography with a vast array of characters. Like last week we saw Cork actress Norma Sheehan amongst them as well doing a great job. But one of the principal actors is Cork's Aidan O'Hare. Now Aidan plays a detective in the series and he'd had lots of fun with it during the shoot last summer as he shared with Elmarie on the phone. Dead Still. This was shot though last year, wasn't it? It was. It was shot in May 2019 and it was shot around Dublin in all these kind of country houses like Cabin mm. Teeley House, Marley Park. All these manors with massive grounds and uh, we took over quite a few of these like massive palatial places really. Mm. So I played Detective Frederick Regan who is, he's a kind of a bullish character from Cork and he's a part of the Dublin Metropolitan Police and he's come from Cork because he's got a promotion. So he investigates this crime that's happening. And I suppose the premise of the show really is about memorial photography where this character called Brock Blennerhassett is a memorial photographer. And that would be where when a member of the family deceased, they'd get this photographer in to take the last photo as a relic or a memento. And Brock's skill really was that he made the person in the photograph as lifelike as possible. So I would have known his work, my character would have known his work because he had done a memorial photograph of my cousin, Polly Crean. And that's how the story takes off, really. That's where the connection happens. Now, before yes. we get talking about the actual plot line of what's going on, because we're two episodes in, but people can still fall in with it very easily. The whole subject of memorial photography, it, in one sense, it sounds so macabre, doesn't it? It's something I have seen online. I don't know how I came across photographs of this kind of stuff online years ago. But there must be plenty of families around the country who have these sort of photographs in their family archives because for a period amongst a certain class, it was, I won't say trendy, trendy is an awful word to put in it, but it was it was really common and popular. Yeah, it would have been, I suppose, a fad in the 1800s, you know, but it was also quite a sad thing. You know, it, it was the last photograph and it, the, the photographer was called before the doctor or the priest and they were always battling against rigor mortis so that they, they could make the deceased as lifelike. When they posed it, you know, so I've seen real photographs just yeah. for research for the part, but it's a quite a, a tragic thing. You know, someone has just died in the family and they're, they're all dressed up in their, their finest for the photograph, but um, it didn't last very long. I think it was for about four or five years in Dublin, but it was um, a real thing, yeah. It's such a production to set up 
the seat in front of the camera and now, it, you know, the, the juxtaposition of now today where selfies is such an instantaneous mm. thing, you know, where it's just a click. But, you know, the process of setting up the cameras and the light and staging people for that which would take hours and hours and hours and to develop the photograph as well. The other side of it would take days, you know. So um, I always found that fascinating, that part of the story. You know? In the series, though, while you have Brock Blenner-Hassett, who is doing that just for families, you're there as this investigative character and quite a pioneering idea is what you're proposing. Yeah, he wants photography to be a tool for the law, crime scene photography. He's got his, his sidekick, Roper, who has these sketches and he does these sketches and when he looks over his shoulder, the, the sketch looks absolutely nothing. <laughs> nothing like the deceased. You know, it's like a child with crayons. It's that bad, you know. So he's a forward thinker and he sees that, you know, maybe that a photograph could capture what happened in the scene at that time. And he does a chase on with himself to get Brock Blennerhassett on side with his ideas without going giving away too much in the story but that's that's where our relationship sits myself and Brock you know it's it's in a week where we've been talking about the role of photography and DNA and computers and that sort of thing in general policing and investigations and how it's only such a recent thing in our lives and especially when you kind of consider the overall lack of resources that there would have been available back in the 1800s for any kind of policing or investigation we take it so much for granted now I mean during the 1800s nothing pure hunch gut yeah. and like literally yeah. the material that was there which would have been gone without photographs in a couple of hours yeah. and as well you know the character Regan that I play he's very much a reader himself and his wife used to read or read novels and get into the story and that's what kind of drives him that mm. there's something more because they share a novel and they try to see who actually is the perpetrator uh-huh. of the crime first so that's that's where my character sits. Imogen Murphy is director, is it? But not directing all of the episodes. You did have a change of directors for, for some, wasn't there? We did. We had Craig Wallace came in in the second block and uh, Imogen and Craig have two different energies all together, you know. But it was very much Imogen's baby as well with John Martin. She would have kind of come up with the concept. John would have wrote the scripts. But she had the whole vision of the show in her head, really. But yeah, Craig then came in from Canada and uh, he was a, quite a cool guy. He uh, the tempo a lot as well and drove us on. And it was great. It was great. It was very two different styles in directing. You've done so much filming on all kinds of series through all various time episodes. What's it like on a shoot like this? Um, it was hilarious from beginning to end. It was, it's rare when all the stars align for a shoot to be good, you know. But on this, I think it, it comes from a couple of people, really. It comes from the director and one of, sometimes the leading actor. Mm-hmm. And both were just two gems, really. Michael Smiley, who plays Brock Blenner, has it. I had no airs and graces about him. And I would hear him constantly talk to extras and reassure them that, that he's not there to judge anyone on their performance or anything like that. He was there to support as an actor. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that kind of sets a tone of let's do our best for the show rather than trying to impress anyone. We were very much a team on it, you know, from the boom operator to the catering. It was just great crack. I had a great summer doing it. And really, and you know, I've worked on things before where there can be tensions with the director and the producers and stuff like that. None of that happened. Producers were on set this time and they'd pass remarks about people's performance that they'd watched in the rushes just to give people a lift. It was, it was a, a gas from beginning to end. I really, really enjoyed it. You did a lot of the filming in these big country houses or these big estate houses around Dublin, but there are some kind of street scenes and that sort of thing. There's an awful lot of pre-production and preparation has to go into 
setting something up when you're trying to strip away every possible sign of modernity, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, we, we shot in central Dublin and they had to close two streets. But there's tricks as well of the trade. You know, they might put a, a horse and carriage in front of a water meter or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> they block things around the place or a bale of straw next to something that would be very much modern. And of course, as well, we worked out in Hardmore Studios where they had the back lot out there, which is a Victorian street, which would have been used for lots of shows like Ripper Street. And um, you might see even adverts around the place from years gone by. And they did that, dressed that up fantastically for Dead Still. So there you are now. We're two episodes in, as people have seen it. We're into episode three of of six altogether and each individual yeah. episode tells its own little self-contained story and then there's this other underlying thread running the right way through binding all the characters together. I was saying to you that this was great that this was obviously in the bag and it was screened on Canadian television first because of it being a, a co-production with Canada and I said to you did you manage to get anything else done in this year and you did in between the two lockdowns. I did. I did. I did this project called Titans which is the story of Henry Ford Chrysler, William Chrysler, Pierre Dupont and William Knudsen, who I play, um, how they got behind the American war effort when the Americans were really uh, lagging behind uh, on munitions uh, in comparison to Germany. Mm. My character was the catalyst that got all these big moguls together to build munitions to help the war effort. It was a fascinating story. I rapped on that and then I went on to work on a political thriller called Red Election, where I play a forensic scientist called Freddie Marshall. Uh, he's an English character, kind of an OCD eccentric who's obsessed with kind of facts and figures and stuff like that. So that was very interesting. And I was just lucky to squeeze the two of them in in that short period. And where were they both shot then? They were both shot in Dublin. Titans was shot in a massive, most of it was shot in a massive warehouse. The History Channel are making it. And it was a, a massive warehouse out in um, Lucan. And then we used, we actually used Marley House, like we did in Dead Still mm-hmm. as well. We used that uh, for Pierre Dupont's house and lots of different locations around them. And it was a, a fascinating show. And it was a real big American production. And, uh, you know, lots of American producers walking around the place, giving their tuppence worth. But uh, it was very interesting and very informative as well. And that's one of the things I really love about taking on a job is that, you know, I would have known nothing about that story and I said you come away from it having gained another knowledge should I say. One of the biggest films that people would have seen you for initially when you kind of started breaking into mainstream movies was of course in the film Jackie and again very much set a a specific time in history a specific time in cultural landscapes it's it's not that specifically you have sought out historical films all the way along the line but it's it's fascinating to be able to immerse yourself into various different periods of history as well at the same time so yeah with Jackie it was the Kennedy Jackie Kennedy and uh, you know I would have an interest in that anyway but you know to be there on set on Air Force One, standing there with Natalie Portman and she's dressed in that pink suit that she had on the day of the assassination covered in blood. It's just like a really surreal moment, you know. She also had very much taken on the part where she spoke quite like the character all the time and it was, it was very, very strange. And then later on, in another scene, that was those scenes, interior scenes in Air Force One were filmed in Paris, but the exteriors were in Baltimore in the US and they had the cavalcade where that was going in from the airport into downtown Houston. And I remember just being in one of the big Cadillacs and I just felt like I'd stepped inside a photograph or something. It's incredible, you know. But I found out a lot more about that time in history from being on the film. And the same with the Windy Shakespeare, you know, mm. we were 
we were very much educated before on the whole side from the English point of view and the Irish point of view. We had lectures before we started shooting and we were taught songs and we were, you know, immersed in it by Ken Loach. And there was another kind of, uh, you know, you come away with a learning and knowledge from these, these pictures, you know. When you were filming and shooting during the summer, then obviously, number one, amazing to get any projects done at all between the two lockdowns. But... I imagine very, very strange procedures and protocols and all that sort of stuff had to be followed. I mean, like we were just getting to grips with social distancing now that we were all allowed yeah. out again. And I mean, did it make filming difficult? It does. It also adds to budgets. You know, they can't they have to ferry people in and out of the set on the room where there used to be a couple of people in a car before that that couldn't happen anymore. But when you're on set, it's done excellently, to be fair. They have a COVID officer who's most, the most annoying person on set who goes around and <laughs> starts telling people to stand away from each other. And if your, your mask drops off your nose, you have to put your nose, the mask back up. And he, that's his job all day to be correcting people's behaviour on set, which is excellent. But sometimes then when you're actually rehearsing, we would only take the mask off for when we were going for a take. So I remember doing, when we were doing Titans, I had to walk into the Oval Office to meet um, Roosevelt and we were going for a take and I walked in and there's the guy playing Roosevelt just with a, a mask, <laughs> mask over his face sitting at the desk you know so um, it, it, it's hard to know when you're, you're shooting or when you're rolling and rehearsing and then the masks are on and they're off and, but sanitising um, you know they'd be very very strict on mm. all that kind of side of things my god but because like they, they, they talk because, about because making money yeah, and, and talk about making the job of continuity a nightmare if everything has to be moved and sanitised every time a character uses, touches or employs a, some, a prop somewhere around the set. Yeah. Impossible. Yeah. I mean, it's very, it's very difficult it's for a lot of people on set, especially for the crew. You know, it's difficult to keep social distancing up, but it, it has to be done. And sometimes I think you're doing a scene and you might just cross the line and COVID, cross the line and mean regarding space. Um, to the opposing actor and it's you know it's a cost you have to step back a bit and you have to go again and and that was never something that was ever part of working on film before and you just have to get used to it it's um, it's been challenging but in the summer did they ever kind of suggest that you'd have to be in bubbles or quarantine apart from family ahead of time or anything like that Uh, no not personally no but some of the cast for Titans came in from uh, the UK and they were literally staying in their hotels mm. for two weeks and could only eat in their room. For me, the, both of them were shot in Ireland, so Red Election and Titan, so I, was, I didn't have any anything like as bad as that. When can we expect to see those on screen? And are they, like um, you said, the History Channel will be for Titans, so presumably they'll be screening that on TV. Yes, they will. And then Red Election will be next year as well. Um, I would imagine mid-year next year. For and both. then... Um, Hopefully, hopefully things will get back to normal by then. In the meantime, back to your role as detective. I love your character. I, I just think it's a gem of a piece that shows off a brilliant side of your range. Are you one of those actors, you were talking about Natalie Portman, who would kind of stay in character in between takes. Do you do that yourself? No, I don't. <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> I think I'd be very quickly to shut up, <gasps> even if you were to take it home or anything like that. But I, I, I don't. Um, I was just... Uh, I learned the lines. I try to give my take on it and trust my instincts as much as I can when I'm in front of the camera. It's kind of how I approach work, really. Mm. You know, I, I'd re- I'd learn the lines and rehearse them, and and then make choices along the way. And then that's, a lot of it is, I think, to do with the director. 
as well. Not the characterization, but just the guidance. But a good director, you can, you know, the part that person can give confidence to, to you know, to take more risks as well. You know. Well, it's working. As far as staying in character, no. <laughs> So Sunday nights on RTE, people are tweeting about it every Sunday night, which is great as well to see uh, to see things yeah. trending. So long may it continue. Well, for the next three episodes anyway, the best of luck with it, Aidan. It's so lovely to talk to you. Thanks a million. Thank you, Anne-Marie. Thanks a million. That's Aidan O'Hare and you can see Dead Still, episode three tonight. Now Cork 96FM's 10k toy giveaway starts Monday. So get ready for fun and play because we're giving away loads of 500 euro toy shopping sprees for free. Incredible. Just listen to Casey and Ross in the morning and then all day long just from this Monday November the 16th for your chance to text or WhatsApp in to win. Cork's 96FM 10k toy giveaway with Johnson and Perra, Douglas, Bishopstown and Man Point. Put 2020 behind you and drive into 2021 always open at jpmg.ie so just listen and win from next Monday only on Cork's 96FM That's unreal Cork's 96FM and C103 The Arts House with Griffin's Potatoes Cork Fresh, flowery and full of taste It's at the root of what we do The Arts House On Cork's 96FM and C103 And you're very welcome back to the programme Now Yvonne Carey-Philpot isn't letting a few months go between singles either It's only just a few weeks since she released and created Waves with Overcome which had everyone comparing her voice to Stevie Nicks from Fleetwood Mac and her new single is out now. It's called Fragments of Joy.
Isn't there just the most fantastic energy in that? That's called Fragments of Joy. It's from Cork's Ivan Carey Philpot. It's her new single and it's called Fragments of Joy and hope uh, the music this morning is bringing you a little bit of joy as we go along and I'm really joyful to tell you about the next guest we have because ever since she first left for London we've been interested in following Molly Lynch's career in musical theatre and only last month we were talking about her show called The Last Five Years was the only show running in the West End at the time due to restrictions and so this coming week she's got a very special performance for the Cork Opera House. Molly is of course living in London. And so she was out and about literally on the streets of London <laughs> when Elmerie grabbed her on the phone yesterday morning. Molly, it's unusual that I would talk to somebody two months in a row about particular performances, but this is amazing. Like last month in October, we were chatting about how the last five years, practically the only show open in the West End because of restrictions. And here you are now, actually, with a fantastic performance being streamed from London for the Cork Opera House. How exciting is that? Yeah, I know. I'm so, I, I, I can't believe it, really, that during all this, I've gotten to perform so much. I'm very, very lucky and I'm really grateful to the Opera House for asking me to do it. So exciting, so exciting and so bizarre, but also really, really cool. So fingers crossed it'll be a good one. Now, when it comes to doing a performance like this, there are a couple of different options that can happen. Something can be streamed live, which is super, super risky, or you can record it and then stream it again for the audience. So which option have you decided to go with for this? We are going live, 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 live. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We're going live from the Park Theatre in London, which is a gorgeous theatre. And uh, my friend Adam Lenson, who's like actually kind of been one of the leaders in online streaming for theatre, his passion is things being live. Is the closest you can get to being in a theatre is when something is happening in real time. So if a note goes wrong or uh, something goes off, then you know you're you're witnessing that like you're at a real concert or like a real event. So um, he's super passionate about that. So yeah, we're going to be we're going to be live, which is going to be cool and scary and weird, but I'm looking forward to it. Majorly exciting, and obviously coming live from the West End. Then you are going to perform a whole evening of your favourite musical theatre numbers, and yeah. uh, that's a great program. I mean, literally, how wide is that canvas to draw from? Oh, very. wide. I've tried to like do a song from all the shows I've done but I've also put in a few kind of bits bobs that I've wanted to sing I, I've always wanted to sing a John Spillane song so I've, I've put John Spillane in as well and um, my friend Nadia Ford is coming to do a little duet with me and then my friend Jordan Castle who's an incredible singer is coming to do a song and a duet with me as well so it's really exciting. It's been so cool to just actually pick your your favourite bits and get a chance to do them in in standalone. So hopefully it'll be hopefully it'll be enjoyable. But it is mostly it is mostly musical theatre, which is some little random treats in there as well. I don't mean this now in terms of blowing your own trumpet, but let's face it, Molly, there can't be that many of your contemporaries who are a in this position of still having had performances go on stage in the West End this autumn but who are also now in the position of doing live concerts like this streamed online. This is a fantastic opportunity for you, isn't it? Yeah, I, like, I, I am just so, so lucky. Um, it's been such a crazy year and I've, I've really, really missed home. I've really missed Cork more than ever. So anything that kind of connects me to, to home and my mum is insisting on getting dressed up as if she's going to the opera house to watch I love her style. <laughs> so... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think I am super lucky and it's really, really special. And uh, I'm really grateful to have something, you know, connecting me back to Cork because I miss it so much.
I'm just I'm really looking forward to it. Well, we're just so happy for you that this is happening and <laughs> really, really looking forward to it. So I'm going to get you to pick a, a song for us this morning then. One of the pieces you will be singing next week, next Saturday, 8 o'clock, live from London via the Opera House. Tickets are only €5, Euro, which I think is an amazing feat for the Opera House to be to be managing. Yeah, yeah. But um, pick something for us this morning now, so. Oh, God. Um... Move on um, from Sunny the Park. It's a beautiful duet. I'm going to sing with Jordan. Um, it's one of my favourite songs ever. It's from Sunny in the Park with George. And um, it's just it's just got a beautiful sentiment to it. And I think it's a really special song for this time. And I always listen to it with my ever feeling a little bit down. So it's a really good one. You're wandering around the streets of London right now while we're chatting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're, getting the real, you're getting the real London experience. We absolutely are. We absolutely are. Wh- and, it's a, and it's raining. <laughs> oh, to top it all. To top yeah, it all. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be the last thing on our minds anyway next Saturday night. Molly, thanks a million. Thank you so much, Amory, you're a star. Oh, the clock is just against us, and I'm really disgusted not to be able to play a little bit more of that because that's actually a duet that Jake Gyllenhaal recorded in lockdown with Annalee Ashford, and that's a brilliant version of it as well. But if you want to hear it live from London, then tune in to Molly Lynch next Saturday from the Cork Opera House stage. That's it from us until next Sunday. Okay, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week. Cork's 96FM and C103. The Arts House with Griffin's Potatoes Cork. Fresh, flowery and full of taste. It's at the root of what we do. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.